You're listening to the Anchor Faith Church Message Podcast. Enjoy the message. Well, turn over to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. Uh, it just seemed right with me and the Holy Ghost that I concluded the B-side last week. When I say concluded, I'll probably say I put it on pause. I feel like I'll probably come back later on in the year and uh, maybe do some more B-side preaching, right? I mean, because the reality is you could take many subjects within the kingdom of God and, you know, make sure you show both sides uh, so that we don't get an error of just staying on the A-side but understand the B-side, all right? And um, But, you know, I just seemed, seemed like a release. I didn't have something very specific burning in my spirit after last week's. So I just believe God wants me to go on to the next thing. Amen. So with that being said, in time and prayer, you know, again, I was out praying yesterday and what I did in offering, I thought I was going to actually preach today. Uh, but this morning as I was in prayer, you know, and just kind of meditating on the Lord, he dropped this scripture in my spirit. Uh, there's a lot of things I want to say, but again, I'm being quick to hear. I'm still accumulating things. Uh, in order to make sure that we're saying exactly what God wants to say in the day we live. Amen. Uh, I want you to know that I purchased a book for you all. And um, uh, and once it comes in, I'll distribute it to you, and then I'll preach uh, in line with that. Now, when I say you all, I mean one per family, all right? Um, But I purchased that because I wanted to get some information concerning the days we're living in um, where... uh, other ministries can echo because they rightly divide the word of truth. They can do some things that, you know, could take me hours upon hours to do, but we can kind of get some things moving in our spirit so that we don't fall off. You know, the Bible tells us that in these last days, because of certain events that will take place, okay, certain events that will take place, that the, the love of many would wax cold. All right? The love of many would wax cold, which means then we've got to safeguard our love walk. Are you with me? Because the love that will grow cold is not the world's love, because they don't even have agape love. It is the church's love. And it's because we're not keeping our eyes fixed on the author and finisher of our faith. All right? And so when we talk about fixing our eyes, let's look at this in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 to 38. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching what? Preaching what? The gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But seeing the crowds, he was moved with what? What was he moved with? Are you moved with it? What are you moved with right now? All right. He was moved with compassion on them because they were tired and scattered like sheep having Man, we've seen a lot of people without the shepherd, the good shepherd, the great shepherd, the chief shepherd, right? So how does Jesus view individuals who have no chief shepherd, good shepherd, or great shepherd? Well, he has compassion. Amen. Now, that doesn't mean that he's um, excited about how they're living or what they're doing. He just realized they don't have anyone to guide them. If you don't have Jesus to guide you, your life will be a mess. All right? So we got to understand that, that people's lives are going to be a mess when Jesus isn't guiding them. And the church can get off as well if you focus on things and don't guard your love walk. 
All right? Verse 37. Then he said to his disciples, are you Jesus' disciples today? Okay. Great. Sounds like it. Um, Are you Jesus' disciples today? Amen. All right? It says, he said to his disciples, the harvest is truly what? Plenteous, but the laborers are? What are they? What are they? That's why you sheepishly said, I am a disciple. Who many disciples have? Yeah. Because they're few. They're few. Now, we think there's a lot of disciples. Now, there may be some converts. But discipleship's a whole nother ballgame. He says, therefore, pray. So what do we do as disciples? What do we do? What do we do? What do we do first? We pray. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he will send out laborers into the harvest. Now, notice here is that it's the Lord's harvest. He's the Lord of the harvest, which means it's his, which means he has a right to tell you when something is ready to be picked. Now, I've been through um, different parts of uh, our state and also up into Georgia um, when it seemed to me that uh, the field was probably ready for somebody to go in and start harvesting the fruit of all those plants. But, you know, the farmer knows. I'm always, it always kind of strikes me. How does the farmer know that we're a week away? That it like needs one more week. Right? I mean, there's a time to pick and a time not. But too often what we do is we get into uh, laboring for Jesus without the guidance of the Holy Ghost. Just because we know the scripture desires that people would be saved doesn't mean the one you're talking to is going to be saved that day. For Paul even himself said, some plant, some water, but God calls the increase. you got to have enough discernment by the Spirit whether you are seeing someone come into the kingdom today. God's going to use you to harvest that person. Or is God using you to plant in that person or to water in that person? And there's been many that have been made a a proselyte. Let's put it that way. Uh, Someone that was kind of pushed and forced into the kingdom of God through having a prayer of a confession of faith without actually having their heart connected. And, and the church, unfortunately, has made them twice the son of hell. Are you with me? Then they were before we even had the conversation. Well, it's because we're not going to the Lord of the harvest. Okay, this is great. So we are to be led by the Spirit in our conversations. But here's the thing. You're not being led by the Spirit if you don't see like Jesus sees. If you don't see people first, these are those that are needing to be harvested, needing to come into the kingdom of God. If you're going to see those, you're going to have to see them with the eyes of compassion, not the eyes of anger. Now, we can be angry about sin, but we are not to be angry with people We are to have compassion because we are to recognize that God wants to see them come in. Hallelujah. So he's the Lord of the harvest. He has a right. So this is why you have to pray. You know what? We kind of, you know, most of us go through life without even having a conversation with God in the realm of harvest. What do I mean by that? We get up and go into town and never once actually say, now, Lord, today, 
you direct me to anybody that I could plant water or harvest. I mean, we're like disconnected from that. We're not even intentional a lot of times. And we're in a we're in, in, in things happening in our nation and throughout the world that Jesus is saying the harvest is great. But why are the laborers few? A laborer must be skilled. Come on. Uh, uh, someone who's going by to pick needs to be able to, oh, that ain't ready yet. We'll get that tomorrow. We'll let that go. Not, that one's not ready. You understand? You can pull fruit off certain um, um, plants that they're ready today. In a week, another group would be ready even on the same one. Now, I used to have a pear tree in, in my backyard growing up, and it, like, bore fruit for a season, which means there will be certain times that some of it would be ripe, and then three weeks later, another. They weren't always the same size. Is what I'm saying. The pear didn't all of a sudden all at the exact same time. It was able to do it in a season, which means I was able to pull some in one week, pull some the next week. If I didn't get out there, it let go by itself. In fact, the harvest was so great some years that they just fell in the ground. And the bugs ate them. Because, you know, I wasn't a big peach or pear fan anyway, right? Um, but, you know, we had a pear tree. My point is, is that the labor has to be skilled and trained. You just can't go and snatch stuff off. And you understand, if you don't pick it right off the actual plant, then you know what? You can bruise or hinder or destroy. You can mishandle fruit. So again, laborers are few. What's that mean? There are very few that are skilled in the ability to hear the Holy Ghost on knowing what to say to someone with the eyes of Jesus in compassion to be able to actually plant water or harvest. And we all ought to be challenged in these last days to say, God, help us to be better laborers. Better laborers. Now, again, if we don't move first with compassion, then we're going to bruise some things. Are you with me? We've got to move the way God wants us to move. And how big is the harvest? Oh, it's huge. I said it's huge. I said it's big. Now, here's the problem. If you do not have enough laborers in the field of a harvest that is great, what will happen to the harvest? You'll lose it. This is why when harvest time comes, everything stops and you got to get in the field to get the harvest out. But if the laborers are few, God's already letting us know. There are many that aren't going to get harvested because there's not enough to get in the field to do it. There's not enough skilled labor. Amen. So if there's anything in the seasons we're coming up on, the things that we begin to teach and the things that we're growing in in the kingdom of God, we need to say, Lord, teach us so that we become skilled laborers because we don't want to stand before Jesus one day and say, man, I had a field for you to get in and you didn't do it. Are you with me? Now, when you get into the field that God directs you and you're either going to say something and just let it go and go on, 
Or you're going to speak some words to them and they're going to be drawing on you. How do you know whether you're planting or watering? You understand when you plant towards someone, you understand you're having to tear off the ground and you're able to put a seed in. And some ground's harder than others, which means when you're talking, it's like there's resistance there. That just means you're planting now. Don't be trying to bring that thing home. Man, now, if you, if you left today, you left out of Publix, and you walked your car across the parking lot, somebody hit you, would you know if you'd be going to heaven? Listen, if they're already resisting you, don't be trying to close the deal. Notice that, man, they're kind of being resistant. You know, I'm just planning today. How do you know if they're, the, the difference between watering and seeing the uh, harvest of someone takes a lot of practice. Why? Because when you're watering someone, that means, you understand, when you begin to water something dry, it's drawing. So you'll be standing talking to someone about Jesus and you'll feel they're drawing. But you got to determine when do they stop? Well, typically the conversation gets, as you know, if you've watered any plants, because my wife waters plenty of plants, especially the ones in pots. You begin to water those things, and all of a sudden, that little bottom, you know, thing that catches the overflow starts to over. You're like, oh, there's enough. It's made it all the way through. It can't handle any more water right now. So what do you do? You begin to, that person draws on you, and just like it's just flowing. You're just giving stuff. You're speaking stuff. But then all of a sudden, it's like they can't take anymore. And if they've not basically turned to what must I do? If they haven't gotten to that place, what must I do? Well, then you're watering. And once you feel there's a little bit of pushback at that point, I'm not talking resistance like at the beginning. I'm talking about they're drawing, 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 and then all of a sudden it seems like the capacity for them to suck any more of this spirit of life that you're giving them is, is, is uh, they're able to handle that. Then you just let it go and drive on. Why? Because God calls increase. It's not your job to get someone saved. It's your job to witness. Notice Jesus said to his disciples, you know, to wait till they were endued with power from my house so that you'll be my witnesses, not the people who save people. We do not save. So again, when we say that the role of the church is to win the lost, that's not true. Jesus wins the lost. The role of the church is to be the pillar and support of truth, but more importantly, to be witnesses of that truth. And if we'll be a witness of that truth, well, then God will get people saved. How? Because we'll plant a seed into them that he'll keep talking to when you're long gone. And you know, we're not the only people that God uses to touch people's lives. Amen. So this like anxiousness to see someone get in immediately or to see something changed immediately, the church needs to quit it. The situations you're seeing going on in the world, oh, this needs to change immediately. You need to quit it. You need to quit it. Why? Because God knows where people are at. And you have no idea what's already been spoken into people's lives. And some of the things they're saying today, there still could be a seed in them and a wa uh, someone just watered them before they started blasting that on Facebook or saying something on the news somewhere that God's working double time on that and you have no idea. Well, if you ask, you might be able to find out. But too often, if we don't look with the eyes of compassion, we'll assume. Now, when you get in the field, there's one tool you use to harvest. Only one. Are you ready? It's the gospel of the kingdom. It's the gospel of the kingdom. So what message does the world need the most today? The kingdom. 
I said the kingdom. Because listen, everyone right now, that's what they're searching for anyway. Amen? What's going on in Seattle right now is just a group of people looking for the kingdom. That's all. They're looking for the kingdom. They're looking for a place where justice is consistently served. That's called the kingdom of God. Amen. I said amen. This should be such great news for us because the days we're living in are not like, oh my God, what are we going to do, right? It should be, wow, what an opportunity. I mean, the world does such a great job in their blindness to set, them, set us up to be able to preach the kingdom of God. It's just an amazing thing. When I look at what's going on in the world, I'm like, wow, that's the kingdom ready to be preached right there. I mean, it'd be so easy to say, now this is what the kingdom does. What you're looking for is actually the kingdom. What you're looking for is actually the kingdom. It's the government of God. Hallelujah. I said, Hallelujah. Because there, man can't make this. Right? All other governments will fail. Only the kingdom of God will remain. And he's given us a kingdom that cannot be what? So don't be worried about what's going on around you. Amen. Are you with me? Now, with that being said, if there's, if there's ever been a time for us to understand the kingdom, it's today. Now, turn over to Luke chapter 10. Uh, I guess you could say there's a tad B-side to this today, um, just because, you know, Luke chapter 10 kind of goes a little bit further into this going out as laborers. Because again, if we only stay in Matthew chapter 9, uh, there's some assumptions that get made. And the first assumption is the harvest is great, right? The laborers are few. So we're going to have this great end time harvest. Well, I believe we're going to have a great harvest. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. But not every field will be harvested. Can I just say that? So, you know, what I, shocks me about the church and about Christians, for that matter, is that we, the, God gave us so many, like, this is going to happen moments. And we're like, at like, those moments aren't going to happen or get all upset when it doesn't happen like we thought. Though the Lord's like, I told you it was going to happen like that. It's like leadership, right? Oh, I'm going to go and serve at the church and be a leader, and then you, don't get, you think you won't get attacked. <laughs> Seriously? You know, like, the minute I become born again, I'll never have a problem with my flesh or temptation. Life's going to be great. Even though the Bible tells us that you're never free from the, con the conflict of the flesh and the spirit. Right? So there's so many things the Bible tells us. You know, like, I get born again, I should never get sick. Well, the devil will try to put symptoms on you. The world has symptoms in it. You're going to have to fight the good fight of faith. I mean, Jesus let us know through Paul, you're going to have to fight the good fight of faith. But as Pastor Marcus said earlier this morning, we are not fighting for victory or fighting from victory. We're just occupying, saying, no, this is our territory. You're not taking it. Okay? With that being said, let's look at Luke chapter 10, verses 1 through 12. It says this, And after these things, the Lord appointed 70 others, and he sent them out to... And two, before his face, uh, into every city and place where he was about to come. Now notice, he hadn't even shown up yet, but he sent people out. Then he said to them, the harvest truly is what? What is it? Oh man, it's great. But the laborers again are few. 
Man, you know, now I'm not a Marine, all right? I was in the Army, but there's the few, the proud, the Marines, right? Listen, we need to be the few. I mean, if, if anything, we need to say we're the few. We're the few. Now, the few doesn't do their work in here. The few do their work out there. And if you're not full-time at the church, then you're going into the field. So you need to tune yourself. I can do the work of the evangelist. You could bring someone who, who you've planted and watered, but we haven't seen it yet, and the message that I preach could bring them into the kingdom. But the majority of people coming into the kingdom should come from your one-on-one -on -one daily relationships because you're going past that plant all the time, waiting for the fruit of salvation to manifest in their lives. Okay? So... We see that the harvest is truly great, but the labors are few. Therefore, once again, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he may send forth labors into his, to his harvest. So again, we need to be sensitive. We need to say, now, Lord, I'm going out today. If there's anybody I need to talk to, show me by your spirit yes. so that I can engage in conversation and help me discern whether I'm planting today, whether I'm watering, well, whether it's one of these moments, man, we're going to seal the deal, and we're going to see them coming to the kingdom of God, all right? Verse 3, go, there, go, go, behold, I send you forth as lambs among Okay, so notice he didn't say that, listen, when you go out and witness, you're going to have no conflict. When you get out and be a light to the world, everyone's just going to love you. So he already sets us up. Um, someone's going to try to bite you, bite your head off. Someone's going to try to kill you, eat you up, chew you up, and spit you out. Right? Amen. Now, if a wolf goes after a sheep, he's not just biting it once and running off. So, again, you begin to start witness to somebody. You may get where all of a sudden they decided, I'm going to make your life miserable now. So, every day they come trying to devour you because you opened your mouth for Jesus. I mean, he lets us know. But that's okay because if God be for us, who can be against us? God is with us because we're in covenant. It's amazing how powerful sheep really are. Yeah. Amen? Because we have a shepherd. Then he says in verse 4, Carry neither purse nor bag nor sandals, and greet no one by the way, and, and into whatever house you enter. Look at this now. First say peace to this house, and if a son of peace is there, your peace shall rest on it. If not, it shall return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking the things shared by them, for the laborer is worthy of his hire. Do not move from house to house, and in whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat such things as they are set before you. Verse 9, and heal the sick that are in it, and say to them, what? The kingdom of God has come near. Now, I told you there's only one tool. And that tool that you use to preach in the kingdom or in the harvest field is the kingdom of God. But how do we know that the kingdom of God is being affected? I'm telling you right now, I can lay hands on people to be healed even today. And there's nothing wrong with that. But you understand, it should be common practice in your life that you're laying hands on people. Yes, that's right. 
Because when you preach the kingdom, God will want his kingdom to manifest. And the number one way that he begins to show a world that needs to be harvested, that he is alive and well, is to heal their bodies. Now, let's do this in reverse real quick. Remember Job, um, you know, he had some fear about his kids, you know, not making it in case they sinned, right? And so the devil goes up to the Lord and begins to say, and the God says, if you consider my servant Job, right? Have you considered my servant Job? And he said, he's righteous, all this. Well, anyway, he said, man, you know, you blessed him so much. Take everything he has and he'll curse you. Well, the Lord said he's in your power. And so he took everything. It didn't work, did it? So the next thing he comes up again, what's he say? He says, you touch the man's skin, he'll curse you immediately. Do you understand symptoms in people's bodies? Is an indicator to some, especially outside the kingdom of God, that God's not around. But the minute their body's healed... Notice the devil used a personal attack on skin to try to get a righteous man to curse God. Well, don't you think the opposite could take place? That if you could get healing in an unri- on an unrighteous man, that he would begin to worship God. And it's obvious that in this passage and in Matthew, that when the kingdom of God is preached, healings would follow as well. Which means then, what's the argument that this person, you know what, God loves you. Listen, you got, I'm going to pray for you. Allergies, right? I understand it's the season. But you know what? Jesus Christ died so that you don't have to have allergies. Now you say, but what if they don't get it? That's not your responsibility. Your responsibility is just to be a witness, to lay hands on the sick, believe God in his word, and let God do the healing. You're not healing them anyway. But a skilled laborer will know that lay hands and say, and then when they, man, you know, I'm feeling better. That's the kingdom of God. See, you testify and you show witness of the kingdom. Hallelujah. And again, I'm telling you right now, we are, we are hindering the progress of the kingdom of God if you are not diligent at your workplace and at you know, my, I can only do it in Target or Publix whenever I'm out and about, you know, um, um, shopping or whatever the case may be because I work inside here and I'm around the church staff the most and I can't even remember the last time I had to even pray for them to be healed. Now, I'm not saying they haven't gotten symptoms and I've gotten in agreement with them, but I've not had a laying on of hands at work in a long time and I haven't had to get any of them saved because they already are. Now, do we have interaction with people outside the church? Yes, because of Treasure Hour Preschool uh, and Washington to a degree, okay? Uh, but even there, you understand, I don't see them day in and day out. But you who are working, I, this is God saying, listen, I've given you an assignment to get out into the field to do something great. I mean, it should be commonplace that we should be having conversations about people's lives that are being changed because you showed up. And notice this, if you would turn this and say, you know what, God wants a laborer, so I'm going to be that. Do you understand, God would run you down. I mean, he's like recruiting. The laborers are few. Can I get a few good men and women? Right? I mean.
mean, you want God to show up in your life. There's, there, I'm telling you, there's nothing greater than seeing the greatest miracle ever, and that's seeing someone transferred out of the domain of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. Amen. You know, too often what we do is we take the authority we have in Christ and the things we're already in the kingdom, we love that lifestyle so much that we're loving it without at, inviting anybody else in. And we need to invite people in, especially today. Okay? So when you're out, man, let the kingdom manifest. And some are planting, some are watering. And we are to go into different territories with the idea of peace. What? We have compassion recognizing that these individuals do not have a shepherd. But I'm going to show the shepherd to the wolves because I am a sheep in the fold of the shepherd, and I hear his voice. And since I hear his voice, I operate in his kingdom. And since I operate in his kingdom, whether you're born again or not, the king can heal you to let you know he's alive and well, he's real. Amen. I said amen. Let's quit preaching false doctrine and saying God's putting sickness on people. No, let's walk in the kingdom and let healing manifest so that they see that God wants, he can make things that are hurting not hurt. See, if you can touch them physically, then you can a lot of times minister to them spiritually. But then let's go to verse 10. Verse 10, and in whatever city you, right, enter, and they do not receive you, going out into the streets, say, go out into the streets, say, even the dust of your city, which clings to us, we wipe off against you. Yet be sure of this, that the kingdom of God has come near you. But I say to you that it will be more toler tolerable in that day for Sodom than for that city. Now that's a tough deal because Sodom and Gomorrah don't even exist today. I mean, God destroyed it with such a destruction that you can't even, they only have an idea where it's at. And some believe that it's under the Dead Sea, which means you can't even occupy the the space. And he's saying that there'll come this time of this last day harvest that will go into places and cities will not receive. So when we think about the great harvest, you got to understand there may be some cities gone. Well, man, we need to go into, you know, you know, and I'll just, I'm just going to throw a couple cities out. I'm not saying that they're gone, okay? I'm not saying that they're gone. I'm just, because you, you could say, we're going to Seattle. We're going to go into L.A. We're going to go into Orlando. We're going to go into New York City. We're going to go in, um, you know, to Chicago. We're going to go into Atlanta. We're going to go into Charlotte. You know what? Some of those cities may not take it. Which may means towards the end, those cities become worse. Not because the kingdom didn't manifest there. Not because the laborer didn't go in and say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's that the city itself chose to not receive the kingdom. So when we say the harvest is great, the harvest will be great. But you understand the harvest is not just in the United States of America. The harvest is a global harvest. And you understand this, if a billion people came into the kingdom of God globally, it would still be a small percentage compared to all the people in the world today. Still be a small percentage. 
So you need to understand this. All communities are looking for the kingdom. However, not all communities will receive the kingdom. Pastor Hagen had this context real quick. He said this, and, and when we were, I think it was at um, hmm, Winter Bible. Yeah, Winter Bible. He said, I just heard of my spirit, small town revival. And he gave no more description. But that stuck with me because I thought, well, St. Augustine's a small town. By all rights, we're a small town. Especially the city of St. Augustine. Small town, right? As our uh, county's growing, but it's still small in comparison. No ifs, ands, or buts about it, right? But then as you see the events coming, you know, people are, start, are th- rethinking where they're living. And there are people who have thought processes in certain larger communities that are wanting to leave those communities because of unrest and move into smaller communities, which means those communities that may be making a serious impact with the kingdom of God and people's thinking are in line with the kingdom. We can see a great harvest of people showing up in rural America. Most of the time we think, well, if we're going to get a harvest, we got to go to the most populated places. Do you understand? Jesus went to populated places until he's like, I'm not going to those populated places anymore because I have a fame that exceeds my message. Oh, I have a fame that exceeds my message, that people only show up for my fame and not. How many places maybe now are churches where their fame exceeds their message? So what did Jesus do to get rid of the fame? So he could get people back on the message. He stayed outside. He stayed outside. And did people say, well, if you ain't coming to us, we ain't going to you. No, the crowds, those that got hungry, left. Those who wanted the king, those who started, they would go out because the message was very impactful. Are you with me? So you understand, we don't have to go to a bigger community. You understand, maybe the bigger community is coming to us. What we have to do is to skill, get our skill set of laboring to be very deliberate and then number two, be led by the Spirit of God when we're witnessing in our planting, watering, right? Or bringing that person on in through a confession of faith in Christ Jesus and in all things, understanding the kingdom of God because that's the tool we use to preach. Because, you know, a lot of people are like, man, I don't even know what's going on in the world. And you say, well, you know, they're just looking for a kingdom. What are you talking about? Well, don't you know the Bible's about a king, his kingdom, and his royal offspring? What are you talking about? Well, let me show you. Hallelujah. And then you can make all these connections because of God's government. That that's what man's really looking for in the first place. And all of a sudden, they're like, I want to be a part of that kingdom. Well, you can be. You just make Jesus Lord. With that, I'll close with this prophecy. The greatest move of the manifestation of the Spirit of God. I believe it's important for us to hear it again that Kenneth E. Hagin delivered by a word of knowledge, really a word of wisdom. There are words of knowledge in it, but there's also a word of wisdom because he's talked about something that would happen in the future. And this was spoken in 1980. 40 years ago. It says this, you're right on the verge, 
right on the verge of the greatest move and manifestation of the Spirit of God that this world has ever seen. That ought to get you jacked excited. Amen. He said, but the world, man, it seemed like it's in chaos. They're screaming for the kingdom. And we have the light. We have the compassion of our shepherd. We have the tool and the power of the Holy Ghost and the message of the kingdom. He says, you're right on the edge of it. And like uh, standing on a creek bank about to jump in. And if you'll give the more earnest heed unto the things which you have heard, not only are those things which you've heard about faith and those things which you've heard about healing. See those past tense. These are teachings that have come around and been around and now they've been in the body of Christ. It's kind of like a past message. But it requires us to hear them and remind ourselves about them. It's not a new message, but it's a message that's already been revealed and we need to keep it in front of us. Why? Because faith is the currency of the kingdom. It activates what we're believing. And healing is a door. Of, it's the bread that causes people to move over into the kingdom of God. Not only the things which you've heard about faith, the things which you've heard about healing, but also the things you've heard about the Holy Spirit. Man, learning about being led by the Spirit is very important again. Very important again. We'll talk about that next week. And the things that we've learned about angels. Man, now we need to preach on that a little bit. And I think before the end of the year, we'll preach on some things concerning angels. All right? And things that you've heard about divine visitations. For remember that it was prophesied of Joel of old in the last day, saith the Lord, that I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And upon my handmaidens, I'll pour out my spirit. They will prophesy. So not only will it be the young, that young, the young men will prophesy, but the young women will prophesy. And the anointing and the outflow of the spirit of God shall be great and amazing in those days. For there shall be visitations of angels. Now, you understand, if you run to me and say, Pastor, oh, I saw an angel and it talked to me, great. It should change you. It should be in line with Scripture. But it shouldn't make you prideful and act like that you all of a sudden have more access to God than anyone else. <laughs> it should be a humbling experience. Not, I've arrived to a plateau. Because seeing an angel doesn't make you arrive to a plateau. All right. It says, be not afraid, but take, but yet take heed even in this area for Satan himself has at times come as an angel of light. So notice this. If you say you see something, I'll be asking, well, is it really God or something else? But examine these things, how in light of the scripture and walk in the light of the word of God. And sometimes the angel will give you direction. And even in your finance and direction that would save your life as in the case of the shipwreck of Paul and direction concerning ministry as the salvation of Cornelius and his household and Philip as the angel spoke to him to go down to Gaza and to the Ethiopian was converted. Now, the Bible says we'll entertain angels unaware. You understand, I believe there are going to be divine visitations that if you skill yourself as a laborer, you'll be in places and someone, a person you'll talk to will direct you towards someone and that's really an angel talking to you to go witness. And so in these days, there will come a mighty manifestation of the Spirit. And the work that God intended should be done in these last days shall be accomplished. For the time is short and things must be speeded up. And you'll learn much faster spiritual things than those of yesteryear. This is why you have to be in church. Because God's going to accelerate your ability to learn. And if you do not have 
uh, spiritual wisdom and revelation according to the knowledge of God's word, then you're not going to be a skillful laborer. But he's going to give you a skill set faster. But that doesn't come independent of you being in church. He goes on and says this. He says, um, um, and they'll learn much faster spiritual things than those of yesteryear, and they'll develop much faster. And it will be said of some that they virtually matured overnight. And they shall go forth to speak in the name of the Lord because they understood past tense the principles of faith. They'll understand present tense the principles of the kingdom. So that's what God's teaching today. His kingdom principles. And they'll understand the law of God. Why? Because in the world there'll be much lawlessness, but we'll know God's laws, and that will cause his kingdom to manifest. And, and they'll understand the principles of the kingdom. Aren't you glad we're preaching the kingdom here? And they'll understand the law of God, and they'll operate and minister in that area, which means if you're going to be using God's great time in harvest, then you're going to have to be proficient in the kingdom of God. And you are to operate in that area. And it says, and nothing will be hindered or hid from them. He says that. He said this. And he said, and the manifestation shall come and the glory of God shall rest upon it and rest upon thee. And it shall be, and his glory shall be seen around about. And the cloud of God will come and fill the house. And yea, it will seem as though the whole building is filled with smoke. Because you see, the glory of God shall be in manifestation. And great, great shall be the noise thereof. Praise and adoration shall go up from his people and it shall be a noise abroad and men from afar shall hear it and men from afar shall hear of it and men from afar shall come to behold it for the Lord shall be in manifestation in those days and all the ways that he ever manifested himself both in the old covenant and in the new covenant plus the multiplying of the spirit and power of God of these days man isn't that good news we're living in great days for men as men grow more wicked and more wicked and as Satan, because he knows his time is short and all his cohorts and evil spirits go about as never before to devour, so the power of God, the glory of God, shall be increased and shall be multiplied. And it will flow like a mighty river, flow like a mighty river. Yea, the Spirit of God will flow like a mighty river. And many, not only hundreds, not only thousands, but millions will be swept into the flow of that river and shall flow forth in praise and glory. If he was absolutely accurate in the amount of people that will come in it's a small comparison compared to how many people are on the earth today you need to know that millions 999 million 999,999 people is one shy of a billion there's 7.6 billion people and if we get every million that he prophesied millions there will still be 6.7 uh, 6.6 plus 1 billion person not harvested wide is the gate that leads to death and destruction and narrow is the way that leads to life and few enter it we need to understand that and not be delusional are you with me okay Yes, Lord. I, I, yes, I know. Um, he went on to say this. Um, For the glory, the glory of God will be a manifestation. The glory of the Lord shall uh, be seen on the face of the saints. The glory of God shall shine forth, though be said nothing. Or, or, or shine forth until men will walk in a place of business and people will fall on their knees and cry out to God, though nothing be said. 
And women will walk into a place of business and people will fall on their knees and cry out to God, though she open not her mouth. For the glory of God will shine through. Yea, the glory of God will shine through. Yea, the glory of God will shine through. For the manifestation of his power and the manifestation of his glory is reserved until this hour. Man, isn't that good? I'm telling you right now, if you'll just walk in the things of God and grow in the things of God, you'll see it. I've seen it myself. My wife and I, we've been out and about. I've seen kids all of a sudden drawn to us and their face light up because I know they're seeing God in us. And I've been around other places and all of a sudden people start acting weird because we offered, uh, walked in the room. Why? Because the glory of God's manifesting. And if it could be told, if it could be told in a way that you could see it, even the eyes of your spirit, if it could be displayed at, the mo- at, at this moment before you in a tangible form that you could see with your physical eye, it would be very difficult for you to believe that which shall shortly come to pass. It would be very difficult for you to accept it. But as you walk in the Lord, as you prepare your heart, as you feed upon his word, as you listen to what the spirit says, your heart shall be prepared and your mind will be changed until you flow in the supernatural as naturally as a bird flies through the air. How are you going to flow in the supernatural as natural as a bird flies in the air? You must walk with the Lord, prepare your heart, feed upon his word and listen to what the spirit is saying. It won't happen independent of those things. And you'll flow in the supernatural as natural as a fish will swim in the water. And you'll flow in the supernatural as naturally as a, as a breath as you breathe the very air. You'll not be conscious of your faith. You'll not be conscious of what's going on around you. But rather you'll be conscious of the flow of the Spirit of God. And he'll manifest himself and he will accomplish that which he's desired. The last paragraph is this. For you see, these are the last days and this is the end time. And what is done must be done quickly. And it will be done. And the hearts of many will be, will be caused to rejoice. So rejoice. Rejoice. Be glad and praise the Lord and prepare your hearts and let him prepare you for that which he has prepared for you. And so walk in it. You shall walk in it. You shall run and shall fly, literally, spiritually speaking, and shall enjoy the fullness of that which is prepared for you. And as the church equips itself will become the fullness of God in Christ Jesus and will flow in it. These are exciting days, exciting times. May Anchor Faith Church be accounted with the few who are led by the Spirit. Feed on His Word. Walk with God and are used to see the harvest. In some places, we'll bring them in. In other places, we'll take off our shoes and shake our dust off them. But in both ways, They'll know at the end the kingdom of God was near them. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we praise you. We thank you. You're the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, and we honor your holy name. Father, I thank you that you're stirring up the work that the evangelist does, the body of Christ, the ministry of reconciliation in every person today, that they would begin to have a heart to reconcile men to God. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you want more, subscribe to our message podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Rating and leaving a comment will go a long way with helping our messages get better circulation. If you'd enjoy watching our weekend messages, visit youtube.com forward slash anchor faith. We'd love it if you'd subscribe, leave a comment or a like on the messages. If you'd like to find out more information about us and how we're influencing the world and help support the work we're doing by giving, just visit anchorfaith.com. 